Welcome to the Bridge Builder Program, an initiative of the Minnesota Catholic Conference, where we help you live your faith in the public arena. I'm Jason Adkins, Executive Director of the Minnesota Catholic Conference, and joining me in studio is our producer and Minnesota Catholic Conference Communications Manager, Kit Zapiniak. Hey, Kit. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in again this week. We hope you're having a very blessed day. Remember, you can catch us every week right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. If you do miss an episode, make sure to catch up online. Go to mncatholic.org slash podcast. You'll find our great archive of nearly 100 episodes there. Make sure to leave us a comment or your questions and a five-star rating so that others will find us more easily. In today's episode, we're talking about media journalism and seeking to know and share the truth. We'll be talking with one of our great Catholic communicators, Joe Towalski from the Diocese of St. Cloud, about the role of Catholic media in forming and informing faithful citizens. In our mailbag segment, we answer a question about speaking with your legislators, why you do not need to feel intimidated. And of course, we want to leave you with some practical tips on how you can start to put your faith into action. In our Bricklayer segment, we have a great source for news from a Catholic perspective about what is happening inside the Capitol. And listeners, do you have an idea for a Bricklayer segment? Or maybe you just have a question about faith and politics for the mailbag. Send those our way. Send us an email at show at mncatholic.org. Or again, you can find us on social media. Just search for Minnesota Catholic Conference. We're now joined on the line by Joe Towalski. Joe is the editor of the Central Minnesota Catholic Magazine from the Diocese of St. Cloud, where he is also director of the Office of Communications. Joe has held the position as president of the Catholic Press Association from 2017 to 2019, which is really a marker of his excellence in Catholic journalism. Before his time with the Diocese of St. Cloud, Joe is also with the Catholic Spirit in the Archdiocese of St. Paul in Minneapolis, where he served as its editor. Joe Towalski, welcome to The Bridge Builder. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. How would you define someone who's a Catholic journalist? What does that mean, practically speaking? To me, a Catholic journalist is somebody who is interested in telling the truth about the Church. And I think that uh, goes in terms of accurate information about the role of the Church in the world, what it does on a diocesan level, on a national level, uh, on a world level, but somebody who's also committed to the truth with the big T, and that is to uh, lead people to the gospel message in pursuit of, of truth, like I said, with the big T as well. So that's a that's a great way of putting it, Joe. And and I think sometimes there, those of us who consume Catholic media, especially from diocesan sources, feel a bit of tension or sometimes even frustration in the sense that we want that big T truth communicated, but sometimes communicating the challenges and struggles and the truth about the church uh, seems to undermine that. Like when we have to talk extensively about the sex abuse crisis, for example, or when some a bishop or cardinal somewhere says something stupid or heterodox and it gets an article in the paper <laughs> uh, to be blunt about it. So tell us about the tension between communicating that big T truth and evangelizing and being on message, as we like to say in the uh, public yeah. affairs business, but then at the same time being honest about the challenges and struggles and debates and division sometimes in the church. Yeah, well, we certainly, you know, we are committed to communicating the good news, but but also, you know, we can't avoid, you know, bad news sometimes, uh, you know, including issues that, that we've had to face, of course, around things like clergy sexual abuse and how that's playing out in, in dioceses. And, um, you know, I, I just don't think we can sidestep the bad news. I, I tell this to every reporter who, who works with me. 
you know, while Catholic media, you know, we face our own set of challenges when reporting on abuse and other sensitive topics. My experience is that uh, Catholic outlets, when they're given the proper resources and support, can often do a better job than secular counterparts in reporting bad and good news about the church. And, you know, I don't think that should be a surprise. We have better access to church contacts and information. Um, you know, we understand church teaching and the processes better, I think, than the secular media. So we're positioned uh, to, to tell a fuller and more complete picture of a situation. Uh, you know, one of the things I always, guiding lights I always uh, offer my reporters is that we should be about spreading more light than fire on hot topic issues. You know, we want to convey that truth in an honest way. You know, I think when, when Catholic media have the support of their bishops, they're, they're able to do that, and that is good for the church overall. That, that's kind of how I've always approached that topic. Speaking of secular media, it seems that often the press just doesn't get religion, as the saying goes. Is it willful ignorance? Is it mendacity? Is it the, the pressure, the time pressures of modern journalism, where it's just content production as quickly as possible that doesn't do time for the deep dive? Why is it that the case that the, the press seems so ignorant uh, or even biased against religion in general and maybe Catholicism in particular? Yeah, you know, I think these days with the way media, news media is, where it's, uh, you know, 365 days a year, 24 hours a day, always this rush to be first and not always to be accurate. Uh, sometimes that is the guide to be first and not be, be accurate. I think that plays into this a little bit. You know, when it comes to individual reporters, my experience is often they just, you know, they're not folks who are necessarily attached to churches themselves. They just don't understand whether uh, the church, whether we're talking about the Catholic Church or any other religion, is just not uh, something in their experience. And so, you know, trying to understand when somebody is motivated by faith, I think that is just not always on the radar of reporters. And honestly, sometimes I think there is a bias, uh, honestly, from some reporters. I think uh, their understanding of the church is just very superficial. All they really know about it is some of the uh, hot-button type issues. And, you know, if they're asking questions, it's just on those topics. And they just don't understand the, the bigger, fuller picture. And, and I think, you know, just terms and processes as well, you know, that takes a little while to learn, and on deadline pressures when they're covering a bunch of other things, you know, religion is just not always on the radar. There just aren't that many reporters that have a religion beat these days as there used to be maybe 20 years ago, uh, 25 years ago when I first uh, got into Catholic communications, and I think when you, um, you know, aren't trained as a, as a religion journalist to cover that beat, you know, the, the coverage suffers when it comes to religion. Well, it's it's kind of ironic, too, because it seems that Catholicism sells newspapers, sells media. You know, we've got things that people find alluring, uh, interesting stories, uh, archaic and medieval beliefs, and of course I'm being facetious here, but it, the irony, of course, is that we don't have educated reporters covering the church, yet the secular media desires Catholic copy, so to speak. So it's it's a fascinating paradox. But, Joe, have you seen any successful efforts to, ev I mean, wh what do we do to evangelize? I've tried to work with reporters and, again, as you said, bring more light than heat and explain to yeah. them the why behind our positions and what we're doing. Honestly, it's blown up in my face more than it's been effective. But have you seen efforts that uh, involve successful evangelization of secular media? Just from my own 
personal experiences with this. I, you know, I know it can be a, a difficult, uh, a long process, but I think having those uh, personal contacts with with reporters uh, is very helpful. This, I think, you know, what you're asking about is really a, a long-term kind of project, and it can be difficult because uh, the way a, a lot of news media is today. Reporters aren't in those positions for the long term oftentimes. There's a lot of turnover, especially in print journalism these days. But uh, I think making those personal contacts, having trying to have regular meetings, offering story ideas, offering when they come to you with questions, honest answers as far, you know, always being honest. You can't always give them the answers I think they're looking for, but you can always be honest. I think they appreciate that. I think you know, at their heart, I think journalists uh, are are trying to do a good job, but they just need some education along the way, especially when it comes to the religion beat and, you know, having those regular contacts, offering story ideas, uh, especially those that are, you know, tell positive stories. And it's not just positive stories about the church. It's it's positive stories about people who are motivated by their faith doing great things in the community, which, which is uh, should be of interest to our journalists. Well, I think you hit it right on the head that oftentimes our posture toward media is defensive because of those biases, and oftentimes the the dynamic is transactional when I work with reporters, but you've just underscored the importance of having a relational and relationship dynamic, which admittedly is hard to do um, because folks aren't in these positions for a long time. But just like we say in the public arena working with legislators, you can't just have a transactional relationship. You have to have a relational a dynamic there if you want to get things done. So I think that's incredibly well said, Joe. Tell, tell me about some of the challenges you've seen uh, covering questions of politics, uh, the public policy end of it, in the church. You know, we've had a lot of it's a lot of polarization in the church about various issues. You know, what are some of the challenges, especially you've seen there, trying to cover these issues and present the gospel message, present Catholic social teaching, do so in a way that, that touches on some of our core commitments, but at the same time communicates the breadth and the beauty of Catholic social teaching? Yeah, I think sometimes, you know, people don't understand the breadth and the beauty of Catholic social teaching. And for whatever reason, I think a lot of um, people let their politics guide their faith rather than their faith guide their politics. And I think that's really the crux of the problem. And, uh, you know, uh, when that happens, it's just there's a misunderstanding, I think, of what the Church actually teaches, especially about being a faithful citizen, you know, the result of that sometimes, and we see this, and, and, you know, Catholics are just as guilty of this as anybody else when you go to social media and places like Facebook and especially Twitter, where it just becomes this cesspool of people not being charitable to one another, playing loose with the facts, uh, promoting things that just are not true both about, you know, things going on in the world, but also just about the church and the church's position on things. So that's always the biggest challenge. And I've been on this kind of kick uh, lately of really trying to push along. And and this kind of came about through the election season, but it goes, you know, beyond that about just trying to educate people about Catholic social teaching. You know, I think there are some people who like to, for whatever reason, try to drive this wedge between so-called pro-life Catholics and so-called social justice Catholics. And to me, that's all rooted in the same Catholic social teaching. And, you know, we should all be working for uh, all of that together. It really all comes down to 
respecting the sacred dignity of every human person, and that goes for issues related to uh, protecting children in the womb. It goes for uh, protecting the poor and the vulnerable. It goes for caring for our uh, earth. It goes for caring for our immigrants and uh, helping them live fruitful lives. And so it really isn't, shouldn't be all about well, we we work for this and not for that, or not this or that, because that's uh, liberal, that's conservative. Hey, this is Catholic social teaching. This is what it means to be Catholic. We should be working for all of these things together, and you know, so we can uh, create a world where the common good is what surfaces up. Well said, and it just underscores the importance of of thinking about Catholic social teaching and its breadth and its beauty. I, I love the idea of integral ecology as a way of representing Catholic social teaching because it, it, it fosters that sense of the whole and the common good and that there's an interdependence to everything, that we're not fighting one particular evil like abortion or promoting one particular thing like uh, efforts to combat uh, fossil fuels or something like that. It shows the integration of all those issues. And, and you really highlighted, I think, that when we put politics ahead of our faith and are focused on political outcomes more than right principles and acting as Catholics in a way that evangelizes others, it's really kind of a form of idolatry in some way and the importance of avoiding that. And that's what causes division is the idolatry um, and not in starting with the fundamental principles of the faith. So I think that's Joe, really well said. What what do you get? What tips do you give to people when they ask you about how to consume media? Well, um, there's so yeah. much. There's so much of it out there, and people feel bombarded. Like I, I tell people to get yourself out of the 24-hour news cycle so that you can kind of see the whole and not get sucked into the the uh, the, the constant pounding of information. Some of it, much of it, oftentimes is not doesn't turn out to be accurate. What do you advise people? Right. Yeah, and as you said, there's just so much information coming at us these days. You know, the, the average person now can be a quote-unquote publisher because of the proliferation of websites and, and social media. So what I tell people, and I guess this is kind of a, a, a media literacy approach, um, I always say, you know, check your sources when you read a story. Who's publishing the story? You know, are they a trustworthy source? What's your experience with them in the past? If they're, you know, if they're not familiar to you, to do a little research. You know, what is the the purpose of this uh, uh, of this website? Is it to convey accurate news, or does it have some other kind of stated mission? You know, I think discernment is a, is a word that I uh, convey to people. You know, if a story makes that you read makes some claims that seem unlikely or or far-fetched i tell them that you know check other news sources that you have found trustworthy are they covering that story too because if not i'd be very wary about the claims being made and also you know before you hit share or send really you've got to know for certain what you're sharing is accurate and truthful uh, before bringing it to the attention of others and, you know, and I also tell people to try to watch a variety, uh, you know, if they're kind of news junkies, make sure you're watching a variety of, of TV news and, and switch channels regularly and, and uh, read widely, <laughs> follow a variety of sources, not just the ones whose views you tend to agree with, because I think that broadens a person's perspective and helps them understand all sides of a story. And that can help ensure that, you know, when they're sharing their opinions, they're well-formed and they're based on on facts. 
you've talked about the importance of civility, Joe, in our discourse and wrote, wrote a recent editorial about that. What role do you see an increased commitment to civility playing, especially on the part of Catholics, uh, as we engage public life? Yeah, you know, you asked me earlier just about, you know, what a, what defines a Catholic journalist exactly. And, you know, I think it's, you know, certainly the way we cover things, but it's it's the way we do it, I think. And that's that's often what is missing. I think, you know, we how we treat and interact with others in the pursuit of truth, whether you're a journalist or a citizen, uh, you know, we always need to do that with charity, respect, a recognition, again, going back to that first principle of Catholic social teaching about the the God-given dignity of every human person. Uh, If you recognize that, I just think it becomes harder to just throw out demeaning things on Twitter if you stop and think about who you're directing that at, that that is another person (laughs) just like you created in the image and likeness of God. And I think that's what we have to keep in mind. We don't always do it. We let our emotions sometimes get the better of us. And I think a lot of it is just stop thinking about what you're doing and then responding. That that would go a long way to helping uh, create a more civil society. And, you know, when it comes to things like social media, I, I would hope a, a, a more civil digital space as well. We're speaking with Joe Tawalski. He's the past president of the Catholic Press Association and communications director for the Diocese of St. Cloud. Joe, let's build on that point on social media. I think the statistic is, is that more information has been created in the past 10 years than existed in all of human history prior to that. And that's because we're all publishers now. Like you said, if there's a, a an examination of conscience for use of social media by Catholics, you've, you've touched on a few of these points already, but what else might that include? What should our examination of conscience with regard to our use of social media include? Yeah, uh, you know, it, it is whether it's something I'm going to put out there originally or I'm going to retweet or I'm going to share, you know, is, is what I am putting out there going to help the conversation along in a positive way does it again going back to the does it does it share uh, or shed more more light than fire is it recognizing um you know be, being charitable and respectful to other people uh, those are the kinds of things i i think about and even when it doesn't come to social media I get calls here and, and voicemails and emails sometimes from people who are very angry about something. <laughs> you and me <laughs> and, both, brother. Uh, and and when I can, and it's not always possible, I always just have a policy in, in my mind of, of trying not to respond for a day. If, it, if it's really something that perhaps I, I think they've got something wrong or they've got don't have their facts straight or they're being unfair, and, you know, as I've been doing this for 25 years, but when you get those kinds of uh, calls or emails, you still get angry and emotional about them. And uh, the, my 24-hour rule helps me to shed that a little bit, to think through it, to discern a response that's based more on accuracy than emotion, you know, and then being as truthful as I can. Oftentimes, they have a very good point. They're right about a lot of things. They might be wrong about something. I try to respond in that way. So I think not always just, um, you know, at the heat of the moment, responding, sharing things on social media. Take a little time and, and 
try to calm yourself down a little bit and, and uh, make, make sure when you do respond, you're being accurate and you are doing it in a way that is, uh, represents you as a Christian. So you're doing it with love and charity and trying to shed more, more light than fire. Uh, I love it. Discernment, as you said earlier. Let's take some time to discern before we react. So that well, incredibly well said. Joe, the media platforms are proliferating, and I think there's a, a pressure because we want to evangelize. We want, we're in the good news business to get the news out there and to use and take advantage of these platforms. But I think that requires some discernment. What would you say in, in terms of how the church should approach the use of particular media platforms or thinking about or discern where to be putting out the message, so to speak. How do you, how do you think we should go about that? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. It's a process that we actually went through here in the communications office of this diocese a couple of years ago. And, uh, you know, we were a print newspaper for, for forever. And, uh, you know, I, I hope we were a pretty good one, but, uh, certainly as the number of different kinds of media proliferate and, uh, you know, certain segments of, of our population and of our Catholic population are, are just not always reading that print uh, newspaper. They're, they're in other places. They're on Facebook. They're, they're on Twitter. They're, they're on other uh, kinds of apps. Podcasts, of course, uh, another uh, media option that a lot of people listen to because it's just a very convenient thing for them. And so, you know, a couple of years ago, we went through a process of what are the best ways of utilizing these tools available to us as a Catholic media entity. You know, we made, made a decision to uh, use our print publication in a little different way rather than trying to be very uh, always conveying sort of the day-to-day -day news in a bi-weekly newspaper. We, we really moved our day-to-day kind of news coverage to our website and our social media. Uh, we moved from a newspaper to a monthly magazine where we try to cultivate uh, stories of uh, evangelization and uh, inspiration, things that will help people live out their daily faith better and be inspired to do that, but also uh, dabbling in our, our own uh, podcasts and doing more video and hoping to reach people who are more likely to be in those places and often making a broad generalization here, but uh, younger folks who maybe aren't reading the print publications as much, this is a way we can reach them. And for me, it's not just about numbers. It's not just about, well, are, you know, are we hitting enough people by doing the podcasts that we do? I think if we're hitting any anybody and making a difference in their lives, it, it, it's worth it for us, you know, in terms of how we distribute all our resources, you know, we have to make those decisions about what's the best and uh, most efficient way to use them. But I think the church needs to be, think about being in all these places and, uh, you know, we're, we're, uh, our podcast venture is uh, kind of new for us, but we're working on it. And, uh, you know, here's some feedback from folks occasionally there that they're listening to us there and didn't even know we had a magazine. So uh, <laughs> I think it's good to be in all those places that, that we can be to be evangelizers. Wonderful. Joe, you've offered some really wise counsel with regard to our consumption of media and the way in which we create it ourselves. Where can people go to find more about uh, your podcast and the Central Minnesota Catholic Magazine? What are those websites? Yeah, all that is on our main website for the Central Minnesota Catholic, which is thecentralminnesotacatholic.org. All one word there. Outstanding. Joe Tawalski, one of our very finest Catholic media professionals. Thanks for being on The Bridge Builder today. Thanks for having me. And we'll be back in a moment with our mailbag segment.
Welcome back to The Bridge Builder, where we help you connect your Catholic faith and public life. I'm Jason Adkins, Executive Director of the Minnesota Catholic Conference, and now it's time to jump into the mailbag to hear what comments and questions you've been sending our way. Kit, what's in this week's mailbag? Yeah, so as we are getting closer to our big Catholics at the Capitol event, which happens every other year, people who have attended in the past, they're obviously getting very excited for this important day of prayer, education, and advocacy. And we're starting to hear from people who are planning to attend for the first time. They say they are really excited about our speakers, but they're not as maybe feeling prepared to do any speaking with their legislators. Some people are saying, you know, I'm a little bit anxious. I've never done this before. What can I do to prepare? So, Jason, to me, these are the exact people we want to sign up for Catholics at the Capitol. Can you maybe help paint us a picture of how we're going to help equip them? That's right. And that's an awesome question because that's why we put on Catholics at the Capitol. The Church is calling all of us to be faithful citizens, but we also have to give people practical ways in which they can learn how to do that. We found that at our past two Catholics at the Capitol events, uh, more than half of the attendees, and we've had 1,100 at each event, um, so that's over, you know, typically six or 700 people had never been to the Capitol, never spoken with their legislators before, and we keep stressing over and over the importance of relationship. We need to get to know our legislators, not merely have a transactional relationship or just be demanding things, but to walk with them, to accompany them in this chosen uh, vocation that they've embraced. It's a vocation within a vocation to be a public servant. No one's born with all the answers in their head. So the legislators need us as a resource to connect with them and help them understand what are the big issues going on in our community and where they're wrong, help them to understand what is the good. And when they're doing a good thing, then thank them for doing so. So, yes, Catholics at the Capitol is exactly the event for folks who don't have experience uh, talking with or visiting legislators. And we want to give you that experience in a concrete way. Fortunately, if you don't feel comfortable talking, you don't have to. Showing up is half the battle at the Capitol, and your presence just showing up communicates that you feel strongly or important about an issue and that you're there as a Catholic advocating on mission for life and dignity. And that's our theme, on mission for life and dignity. Each legislative meeting brings together all the people in a district. There is a district leader, though, in those meetings who can do the speaking. Anyone's welcome to pipe in and add their comments, but we have a district leader facilitating the discussion with the legislator just for an efficient and orderly conversation. You don't have all day with the legislator. So you don't have to speak if you don't want to, but what you will get is an experience of how those meetings work. You'll learn that legislators are people just like you and who value and appreciate your comments and feedback. So it's an indispensable day. You don't have to feel about not worry about not being prepared. We'll equip you with the issues, and if you feel compelled to speak, and sometimes people are surprised, they often do, then you'll have the opportunity to do so. Again, that event, Catholics at the Capitol, April 15th. You can sign up at catholicsatthecapitol.org. This year, we're going to be doing uh, the main program on the 15th, and then we'll be doing the legislative visits via Zoom on the 16th in the afternoon. So April 15th for the main program, April 16th for the legislative visits. Again, sign up at catholicsatthecapitol.org. Great. Thanks, Jason. And before we wrap up, do we have another great practical way that people can put their faith into action in our bricklayer segment? Earlier in our conversation with Joe Tawalski, we spoke about staying informed and seeking truth. It can be difficult to find good sources for information, especially when it comes to issues impacting life and dignity right in our own state. Each of you listening to us on the radio or podcast clearly have already found one great source of solid Catholic information. But we want to let you know, too, about our biweekly update called Inside the Capitol. 
Every two weeks during the legislative session, our team is providing readers a real boots-on-the-ground update about the issues you won't typically hear about in the news. And we're going to give you the truth of the issue from the Catholic perspective. The media often at the Capitol, they're taking their microphone and following the crowd. Now, this year it's uh, more difficult to do that because there's the, the Capitol's not open to visitors. So what often is, is being covered in our news are the big controversies, the big issues that grab the headlines and suck the oxygen out of everything else. But there are a lot of bills on important issues that are being advanced, and we're talking about those. And inside the Capitol is a great way to get that information you're not getting from secular media. And that's a point that Joe Tawalski raised earlier, is that sometimes the Catholic media does a better job of covering the issues that matter to the Catholics, and it's not the secular media. Many of our diocesan papers are printing these inside the Capitol updates, posting them on social media or in their newsletters. But the easiest way for you to find our biweekly inside the Capitol update is to simply go to our website, mncatholic.org. Again, mncatholic.org, and click on In the News under the Newsroom tab. Please also sign up for the Catholic Advocacy Network to receive the update in your email every other week. To join the Catholic Advocacy Network, go to mncatholic.org slash action center and click on join us. Again, that's mncatholic.org slash action center and click on join us. That's all the time we have for today. For everyone listening on our podcast apps, make sure to follow or subscribe so that you always know when a new episode comes out. Let us know what you thought of today's episode. Share your ideas for the Bricklayer segment or send us your comments and questions for the mailbag. Leave us a comment on the episode, connect with us on social media, or email us at show at mncatholic.org. Remember to catch up on past episodes on our website, mncatholic.org slash podcast. Thanks for tuning in today to The Bridge Builder. We'll be back again next week with another great guest, more of your comments and questions, and a new way for you to build bridges between faith and public life. I'm Jason Adkins, and for Kit Sapiniak at the Minnesota Catholic Conference, thanks so much for listening, and God bless your day.